Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. In today's episode, we speak with Julie Roy, who retired with her husband, Don, and opened an alpaca farm. That's right, alpacas, those lovable cousins of a camel that are used for the soft fiber that they grow. Learn about how Julie is rocking with alpacas in today's episode of Rock Your Retirement. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Today's guest is Julie Roy. In 2004, she reinvented herself. Her husband of 25 years, Don, and she left San Diego and bought a home on 10 acres and started life in the country. She was still the president of the San Diego Professional Coaching Alliance, which had 200 members, and she drove 90 miles every month to lead the meetings. She still coached some of the time, yet yearned for more. Enter Raising Alpacas which is super cool. After researching the business opportunities with this lovable livestock, they converted 2.5 acres into alpacas of Anza Valley and started with four pregnant, I can't even pronounce that. What is that word? Wakaya alpacas. Wakaya alpaca females. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. In the first year, they grew to 12 alpacas, sheared their fleece, attended shows, won ribbons, had two babies called Kriyas. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's right. That's what they are. (laughs) Started a boutique of yarn and accessories made from the fleece and got totally hooked on the alpaca lifestyle. In the second year, they doubled the herd size and they added eight Surreys, and is the Surrey a female? Surrey is a different kind of alpaca. So Wakayas okay. are like fuzzy teddy bears and Surreys look like they have dreadlocks. 
Oh, okay. So they added eight dreadlocked alpacas. <laughs> that is right. Uh-huh. And boarded them while the new owners were setting up their nearby farm. The third year, they doubled again by adding more services of boarding, short and long term, breeding to outsizers with their stud, Dusty. We'll hear more about Dusty, oh, I'm sure. You will. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> new owners start their alpaca herds and of course having more Kriyas and and I wonder if they call them Kriyas because they cry no we'll find out (laughs) find out about that now six years later her time is spent running an internet business all about educating the new alpaca enthusiast with the newsletter and cd series that she created with her husband at www.profitingwithalpacas.com. And for those of you listening, I'll put that in the show notes as well. They broker quality alpacas coast to coast with their service, www.alpacas4, that's the letter for less.com. And to p- support the new alpaca owner, they conduct monthly teleseminars called Buying Alpacas Made Simple. Don and Julie still find a measurable joy raising 40 to 50 show quality alpacas, increasing their herd size by 10 to 15 each year, and helping new owners get off to a great start in their alpaca business. She also serves on the board of directors for the Southern California Alpaca Breeders Association as the director of education. She's a new member of the Joint Education Committee of OABA and ARI. And when asked, she serves as a volunteer for the local alpaca show called Alpaca Fest West. Well, thank you, Julie, for coming on our show and helping me with your bio. (laughs) My goodness. So I know that's so much. So Mm -hmm. do you consider yourself retired or do you consider yourself to be an alpaca full-time farmer? Well, it's interesting. When we started this business in 2004, no, retirement wasn't on the horizon. It wasn't in our mindset at all, because we both were still very active with my husband doing a lot in the computer fields and with me just keeping up with this new love and this new passion. But as we have progressed and we started getting social security checks, we looked at each other and we said, I guess that means we've qualified for retirement. And then last year when I started getting Medicare, I go, oh my gosh, that qualifies me. You know, it's not just AARP that qualified me to be in retirement. (laughs) It's like a social security check and Medicare benefits. I mean, goodness. Now, has that slowed us down? No, it hasn't at all. But yes, we are a little bit more retired than we were when we moved out into the country. And we have chosen how we spend our hours. So I think that also is something that I would say your listeners probably can identify with is that when you realize that you're not going to a job and you're not working for somebody else, but you're putting your love and your energy and your passion and you may be putting in hours and hours more intensity than you would at a job, but you're putting it into something you love so much And you're getting the rewards from not just a paycheck or even occasional income here and there. You're getting your rewards because you see the smile on the people's faces when you share your love. And I am, of course, referring to alpacas. 
So yeah, does that answer your question? Am I retired? Not really. <laughs> so it's kind of like when people retire and they play golf. Mm -hmm. So you are retired. You're doing this for love, not necessarily for the money. Correct. Although it is a business and we have chosen to spend part of our time sharing the knowledge and the information and the skills that we have acquired over this now 11 year period of time that we've been with the alpacas. And so we are sharing it with new and up and coming people who cross country, as you said in the, my bio, by doing this online. And we also do a lot of one-on-one -on -one training um, at our ranch. We have people come out and just hang out with the alpacas. There are more alpaca selfies now on the internet. People <laughs> just love to pose with our alpacas. So they're all over the internet. But oh, how fun. We do a lot of, of tours where it's an education. For instance, I'll bring in a spinner or I'll bring in a knitter and show people who've never even touched alpaca yarn and realize how soft and luxurious it is, all the beautiful things that you can make with yarn that come from our own animals. And so by being able to educate other people, we're expressing our passion that way. And um, we're just open. Uh, we're open to people giving us a call, stopping by. The other day, I had a lady who said, my son's having his fourth birthday party. But there's a group of us that always get together. And so the group would like to come over and, and see your alpacas. <laughs> and so we had a little special celebration for four-year-old. And he was the youngest of everybody that was here. But his friends and his older siblings just loved hanging out with the alpacas. And then I did a little educational tour, a lot of hands-on for them, too. So you, I, we never know who's going to come over to the ranch, but we're always open to visitors. That's fun. Now, do you charge for tours or is that something you do for the love of it? We have been doing it for the love of it, but now we're organizing our tours and now we're making it interactive and we're doing these selfie photo shoots. So we do <laughs> charge now an admission, but kids are free. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So I have a story to tell. Uh-huh. So you and I have a little something in common. When I was, oh, shoot, nine mm -hmm. or 10, okay. I decided that I wanted to raise rabbits. Aha, uh -huh. yes. You've probably heard of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, Robert right? Kiyosaki, so, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes, right. for so sure. I have, to, I have to admit, I haven't read the book, but I've you know, heard little clips and uh -huh. people have told me about it. So my life is rich dad, poor mom. Oh, okay. okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so my mom, uh, allowed me to buy a rabbit, uh, a pregnant rabbit. And I raised giant chinchillas, which were not chinchillas, but chinchilla the rabbits. rabbits. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so we spent our lives going to rabbit shows and winning prizes. And I would sell my rabbits for $120 each. Okay. And the rabbits that were not perfect, we ate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. It's pretty sad. But we did. We ate them. It was funny because my mother used to borrow money from me. Oh, okay. because I, because you <laughs> I can... made so much money selling these rabbits and it wound up turning into her business because she was actually the one that did most of the work. Uh -huh. But, um, and then she used the rabbit pellets, um, for her organic, you know, she composted, she was, mm -hmm. she was a mother earth type person before it was cool. Uh-huh. I understand. Sure. Yeah. So, but, um, so can you eat alpacas? Do people eat them or are they mostly used for the yarn? Well, 
Let me give a little bit of uh, background. Alpacas come from South America, and they are raised for their very fine and luxurious fiber. In Peru, which is where they predominantly exist, at the high elevations, they originally were raised to make the luxurious garments for the Inca royalty. Mm. And the llamas, which a lot of people get llamas and alpacas confused, but llamas are considerably taller. They weigh about 400 pounds, whereas an alpaca weighs an average of 150 to 180 pounds. And aren't llamas mean? Well, llamas and and alpacas both come from the camel family. But alpacas have sort of gotten this bad rap because of their size. They're also very assertive. And they're used as guard animals for small livestock, like sheep and goats and other alpacas. And they're also used as beasts of burden, so they can carry packs. So they've been in the United States a lot longer than alpacas, and they've been around the Peruvian area, uh, where a lot of people who visit Peru see llamas out on the trails. Well, whereas alpacas are raised more for their fiber. So most people do everything they possibly can to keep their alpacas alive. However, in Peru, because it is their lifestyle and their mainstay of living, if an alpaca dies, they will eat it. Whereas in the United States, there's not really a market for their meat. So, Well, it's kind of like goats. <laughs> there's some people who eat goat meat, but most people don't. Yeah, most people don't eat alpaca meat. And if they did, or if you found it anywhere, it would be a luxurious meat, or exotic meat, I mean, and... Um, it has quite a high premium price. But I have been told it's a very lean meat, it's very tasty, but it's just, at this time, um, there's no FDA approval, especially in California, for alpaca meat. There are in some of the Western states that follow more of a livestock rule, like with cattle, Mm -hmm. but not what we're doing. So it's illegal in California to really eat it. It it would be illegal, yeah. There's so many other wonderful uses for alpaca fiber. Think of fiber as more like your hair. So Oh, I felt it. It is so soft. Yeah. It's it is. and when you feel it on the animal and then you realize we shear once a year and we take off the majority of the fiber and then I go through a sorting process where I decide which is the finest of the fiber that I will send to a mill to be made into yarn and then um, that yarn can be knit or woven or crocheted, uh, put into, you know, luxurious garments. That is gets the highest premium price. But the fiber that comes from the coarser part of the animal's body, maybe their hips or their legs, where it's shorter, and I wouldn't want that next to my skin. I wouldn't want to spend the time and effort to have it made into yarn. Well, that coarse fiber can be felted very easily. And we felt it into insoles to put in your boots and shoes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it can be, once it's felted, it could be cut with scissors to be shaped. But the other thing that my husband and I have discovered is I've created a product that is not only sustainable and easy to use and so economical, it is an alpaca fiber dryer ball. Oh, so it, it makes things fluffy. It will, if you take our dryer balls, and we recommend about three per average laundry load, and you just put them in your clothes dryer, when you turn your your dryer on, it will toss and tumble your clothes naturally. You dry your clothes in less time, you use a lower heat setting, 
and it replaces those terrible toxic dryer sheets. Plus, you do not need to use fabric softener. So by eliminating those other two chemically laden products and you utilize our natural alpaca dryer balls, your clothes come out almost wrinkle free. They have just a natural uh, softness to them and you don't have to worry about it, you know, <laughs> holding on to the residue of the you know, chemical residue from the dryer sheets. And you use these balls over and over and over again. So I've made them now for the last three years, and I'm still using the same balls I made over two years ago. How fun. How did you even think of that? You know, I knew that there was alternatives to dryer sheets, and I started researching it, and I found that some people were make, using like tennis balls, or some people were taking a bunch of sheep's wool, but sheep's wool is very different than alpaca fiber. Because I'm allergic to sheep. Oh, I'm, I'm allergic to wool. I am allergic to wool myself. And I don't even like to touch it if, you know, by showing comparisons to people when they come to our ranch and I show them the difference. <laughs> I don't even like to touch the wool, much less make anything with it. Well, see, sheep's wool has two things going against it. Um, it has many things going for it. But the two things going against it, especially when you compare it to alpaca, is one, it has lanolin. And lanolin absorbs dirt. And lanolin needs chemicals in order to be cleaned to eliminate it. And the other thing is that the normal sheep's wool has barbs that stick out a little farther from the hair shaft. Whereas with alpacas, particularly the really fine fibered alpacas, that those barbs are not even noticeable. So you don't have the itchy or scratchy factor. You just have a really smooth, luxurious hair-like substance. And what I wanted to say about the, also the difference between um, alpaca and other fiber animals is that alpacas don't shed. You shear them once a year. They don't have an undercoat like a cashmere goat. Oh. And when you shear them, you can get pretty much a maximum use out of the length of the fiber. It has a natural crimp ability to it, which holds tinsel strength is what we would call. Um, and also in the knitting world, you know, how the fibers bind around each other. Mm -hmm. um, so it has that property. And you can clean it with soapy water. Oh. Yes. Well, you don't have to, well, the finished garment you just do with the soap and water. You don't have to send it to dry cleaners, but when you're processing it, you don't have to use chemicals. You don't have to do baths of chemicals in order to oh, clean wonderful. it to even start working with it. So a lot of mills had only worked with wool before and didn't really know how to start working with alpaca. So it's only been recently, like in the last four or five years, that mills have been adapting and starting to take in the alpaca fiber. Um, and as it's become more and more popular and more and more of us are harvesting our fiber from our animals, you know, we do it once a year. We share ours the first week of May. But as we start getting our yield, and Don and I typically have about 60 alpaca that we shear every shearing season. Do you have a party, an alpaca shearing we party? We do. It's a two-day <laughs> event. We take at least eight volunteers, and we bring the same shearer down from Oregon every year. This will be his sixth year with us. And we sort the fiber. So what I do is I've been trained to know the difference just by my feeling it, like the finer micron fiber, which we would call royal baby or super fine, those are terms you might have heard when you are buying a finished garment, those I will make into lace weight yarn. 
the fiber that is still soft, it's still baby alpaca fine, it's just not the super fine, that will be made into sport weight yarn. And the sport weight yarn, which is just a little thicker, can make into the sweaters and the uh, and the gloves and the hats and socks and things that are maybe just a little thicker, but you might not have them right next to your face. So I determine uh, the yield of our fiber as to what's going to be made into what kind of yarn. And then I have the yarn uh, made with, uh, sometimes I blend colors in order to get a real interesting combination. Picture, if you will now, an alpaca coming in 16 different colors. <laughs> and we specialize in the rarest of the colors, which is gray. And there's a silver gray or a rose gray. And the alpaca itself as an animal has the most variety of color of any other fiber bearing animal. So you will never find certain, you know, sheep or goats or yak or bison in some of the colors that you will find alpacas in natural. So people typically don't dye it. You use it the regular color that, that it, you know, the natural color. Well, that's a good question. There's two trains of thought. The Peruvian people love bright colors. I mean, the, so they dye it. They dye it. The hot greens and reds and purples, and pink. and pinks, lots and lots. But they have to start out with white to start with. And we love the natural colors. So if I don't have enough of a certain gray, I might blend some of my black and my white together. And the fibers are washed and carded and uh, prepared together so that I get this beautiful gray yarn. So probably in Peru, the white ones are the more valuable ones. Exactly. In fact, Peruvian people might cull out a darker colored animal because it won't have the same quality or high characteristics of fineness that they really want from their whites. And um, so, yeah, when I say cull, I mean, sometimes, yeah, they'll, they'll eat them. Yeah. Sometimes they'll eat them. Like, <laughs> Sorry about like that. we yeah. did. Yeah. Like we did with the rabbits. Like you did with the rabbits. <laughs> I mean, it's a normal process of life and evolution, but so the Peruvian people mostly raise white and the American and other domestically, uh, I mean, they're also in Europe and Canada and the other countries love the color, love the variety. And so um, we have, these 16 different colors that are presented in all of our alpaca shows and through our registration, to, just to have that variety. However, I do have to say that I have had so much fun taking some of my finest white yarn from some of my great alpacas and dyeing it with Kool-Aid. So why have grape, <laughs> grape colored alpaca yarn and pink lemonade alpaca yarn? That's fun. That's yep. fun. Okay. Now I have another and question. Berry berry. And yes. Uh -huh. So I'm asking you all these questions about food and you're like, why does she keep asking me questions? It's because of how we did things and how my mom, my mom mm -hmm. raises goats and sheeps and ducks and chickens and all that. So can, do alpacas make milk? that you can mm. turn into cheese or is it strictly for the babies? You know, alpacas will have enough milk for their babies, but not much left over. Okay. So you can't really you use aren't them raising to make them for milk. alpaca no. milk cheese. No. <laughs> the goat cheese, the goats as a, as a herd animal uh, would be the ones that you would want to raise and you'd have enough milk left over that you could do goat cheese. 
just curious. Yeah. I'm just wondering because I am actually sensitive to cow milk products. Uh huh. But I can eat goat milk sure. products. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, I miss cheddar cheese. Yeah. <laughs> and sure. I have a friend who raises goats, and she said, "Yeah, you can make cheddar cheese out of goat milk, but it takes a lot of work." Yeah. Okay. So alpacas, you're having the time of your life raising alpacas. And, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of the show. So there's a couple of extra questions I need to get in. This alpaca thing, though, is so interesting. I'm... Yes, like how many other retired people raise alpacas in their retirement? I know. Oh, yeah. Well, you do hear of people growing grapes and oh, making yeah. wine. And you hear of all kinds of things that people did. So let's go back to when you were working. You did something in the, um, your husband was a computer person but you were a, what did you do? You ran a group of 200 people? I was a professional life skills and business coach. What I had done right before we decided to leave the city was I had risen up through the board of directors in the coaching alliance of San Diego, and I was the president at the time. And everybody was so surprised that I decided to change (laughs) and reinvent myself when I was doing so well as a coach in the city. Like, why are you moving out to the country? And Exactly. Yeah, and so a lot of people ask that. And once they saw what we moved to, once they saw how we were creating a lifestyle that was giving us more joy than what we were leaving behind, then we all of a sudden became a destination spot. And we had more (laughs) of our friends coming out to see us than we needed to go back to the city to uh, find what we felt we might have been missing. Now, when you first moved out there, was that sort of your retirement? You're like, okay, well, this is our retirement job. Or did you think, well, we're just going to move out there and I'm still going to coach? How, how did that yeah. happen? I think we planned to transition for a little bit, but we knew with 10 acres of land, we could do something with it. Originally, I think we thought we were going to be growing trees that that you harvest and then they regrow themselves and there are certain aspects about the trees. It was a beautiful hardwood tree and we attempted that in the very beginning but realized that the land wasn't quite going to yield what we felt it needed. Because I was a business coach, I knew when I saw the alpacas as a potential business that there was going to be a lot of ways that one, we could enjoy spending the time with the animals and yield some kind of an income from it. Wasn't sure at first what it was going to be, but I did know there was great potential. So it was sort of like, let's transition into our retirement lifestyle and let's be doing something that we know we will love. Well, that's great because a lot of people aren't prepared when they retire. So, you know, they go from 2,000 or more hours a year to nothing and it sort of hits them in the face. Right. All of a sudden, oh, yeah. Like, Whoa. So you transitioned. You were still coaching when you moved and mm-hmm. you sort of slowly transitioned out of that into what you're doing today. Yes. And yet I realize what I'm doing today has a coaching component into it. Um, my husband became the computer doctor in this small community, so he still has people who uh, need his services, and so he still has his finger into that service. Uh, he also is doing a lot of websites, so we've already realized that at some point we're going to stop having the alpacas 
as our mainstay. And let's set ourselves up so that we can take what we learned by raising these alpacas and we can take it on the road and we can create more alpaca online education. And so that's the next phase that we're getting into. Also, I wanted to complete a thought I had earlier about the alpaca dryer balls. They became so popular and we started making them and selling them in packages of three at all the events because we go to lots of harvest festivals and events uh, where we sell our alpaca items and our yarn and mm-hmm. things we've imported from Peru to sort of round out our, uh, our retail product line. But the alpaca dryer balls have become so popular that we now have a website and we sell them year round and sell them cross country. And that website is alpacadryerballs.com, just like it sounds. With an S. <laughs> yep, with an, with an S. S. And um, so we've been picked up by magazine, sustainable magazines that wanted to know what we did and how we did it. And we utilize the fiber that isn't soft enough and uh, gentle enough to put against your skin. So we use that coarser fiber to make the uh, roving and the other parts that I felt. And I've learned to master that a little bit more. And I've taught somebody to help me. So I pay them a piecemeal uh, per hour rate. And we uh, turn out about 50 dryer balls every time we do a batch. And sometimes we have to do two, three and four batches a week to keep up with supply uh, demand. Well, you know, what's really cool about the dryer balls too, that I can think of Uh because I use the plastic ones. And, uh, I bet your dryer balls don't make that noise. No, they don't. In the dryer. They're much softer and they do not go pound, 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 pound. Yes, Kathy, we are going to have to get you some of our dryer balls. <laughs> yes, I might, I might have to get some. Um, so what, what was your typical day when you were working? Mm-hmm. And what's your typical day now, if there is such a thing as a typical ha. day? Raising animals, as anybody knows, there is nothing typical. However... <laughs> The And we, we are very uh, controlled by seasons also, more so than we were when we were in the city. But a typical day is I wake up with the sunlight as opposed to an alarm. I go to bed feeling relaxed and refreshed instead of worried or harried because I didn't get something done or what am I going to do tomorrow if I go to work. I have a lot of time that I can spend with kids of all ages that enjoy Learning about alpacas, most people who come here for the first time usually have never seen an alpaca, much less touched one or had a chance to nuzzle with one. I enjoy writing. A typical day usually includes me either writing some new information or talking to people uh, on the phone about alpacas or writing emails or doing some social media posts. I'm still continuing to keep my coaching skills very sharp, so I do have time that I spend learning. I meditate so much more easily now. It's a typical thing that I enjoy doing. We raise our own vegetables because alpaca manure is just rich with nitrogen. It's a slow release fertilizer. You can use it right away. So it's so like we, bunny wrap. Yes, it it's is. Like I wanted to make sure I completed <laughs> that thought with you because raising alpacas, you got little pellets just like the little bunnies. And you don't have to compost you them. You don't have you to compost just... it. You could just put it right there in the soil. Isn't so we raise wonderful, healthy 
greens year round. We're at 4,000 feet and we do get snow. So there are certain seasonal changes and things that we need to do. I love being around the animals. Uh, What I'm doing right now is preparing some to go to a show. I'm going to pay somebody to take them up to a show in Northern California for me because I'm not able to get away at the same time as the show. But last year I was the show manager. I didn't just volunteer. I actually was the show manager (laughs) for our local show of 300 alpacas that all gathered together. And so this time I'm preparing all my young alpacas, the ones that were born last spring and summer. This will be their first time going away from home, so to speak, you know, so I'm getting them ready. I'm getting myself ready, you know, to let like them go. Like summer camp. Yep. Summer I'm sending camp them away to summer camp and they had to make sure their counselors <laughs> were going to treat them right. But um, so I do a lot of things like that. And this is all things I love. And it's things I'm doing by choice and design, not default. So uh, the coaching that I do, or I have two clients that have been with me for over nine years and I help them. They're younger than I am. And I'm helping them make some of the decisions as they've grown their business or as their families have changed. And other clients I have are just getting into the alpaca business. And I talk to them, you know, about maybe making some good marketing decisions, making good breeding decisions, growing and establishing, you know, their new layout. It takes a year for a baby to be gestation period is about 11 and a half months. So you plan for your breedings. You plan who you're breeding to. I go over a lot of the genetics and so it's not like just that. alpaca love. They meet each other at an event and fall in love. And uh, there's your alpaca baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to say it's that romantic, but let me tell you, the male alpacas are pretty horny. You said you talk about sex sometimes. Let me tell you, I can talk a little bit about alpaca sex, but I know that's not for this show. But um, The female is an induced ovulator, and so she doesn't have seasons. So once she is, yes, once she is reproductively sound, she is either (laughs) pregnant or she's open. And when she's open, the male knows it and lets us know. And when she wants to breed, she lets us know. But it is like giant rabbits. (laughs) Okay, they're like giant rabbits. Yes, but Kathy, (laughs) your rabbits reproduce about every couple of months. It That's takes, true. Not it takes year. 11 and a half months with an alpaca. So it's like Christmas when we finally get them, you know. Do they ever have <laughs> twins or are they always It's a difficult time? thing to have for them to have twins. The female's body isn't quite large enough. And usually one of the twins would be compromised and not so born healthy. So you call a doctor if there's a twin to make you, sure Usually that... the female aborts it early on before oh, we so have a chance to develop. natural. Yeah, it's okay. just natural. So you don't expect twins. Oh, good. Well, you know, this has been really fun, and I can't wait to make yes, the schlep is... out to where you are and, oh, and I hope you will. Alpaca. Yeah, I hope you will. Yes, we're we're open. Um, our website is alpacas a v. So that would be a l p a c a s a as in Anza, and v as in Valley dot com. And we love to be open by appointment. This is something that we want to be available, take the time, give people a, you know, a proper introduction to the alpacas. I, the book, I have a boutique at 600 square feet. Portion of our garage was converted over to it. And I have items that have been made, alpaca fiber. um, Oh, one question. 
Yeah. Do you have a spinning wheel? Actually, I do have a spinning wheel. I inherited it from my mother who got it for her 80th birthday. Oh my gosh. She is now nearly 90 and she finally retired it to me. So <laughs> I've taken my first spinning lesson. I intend to, when I do a little bit more relaxing in my retirement, to learn to spin. It is very relaxing when you know what you're doing. In the meantime, though, I weave, and I do have a loom that sits on my lap. Oh. It's a little table loom, and I turn out my own scarves using 100% alpaca. So and do you spin, do you make the wool from a hand spinner then, or, or how do you get the, the Most use? of it comes, most of our yarn comes from my taking the raw fiber to a mill, and that mill going through the spinning uh, process. And they do it. And they because do the there's... yarn. There's a consistency then. Um, each skein is like three ounces and I have the Instead yardage. Of the bumpy. Yeah. 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 I mean, novelty spun is fine when it's hand spun and there's a purpose for it. And a lot of people love that novelty look. But if that was the only yarn I had, it would be way too expensive. Right. So. It is. And, but I know there's, my mom has a spinning wheel, one of the big ones. Uh huh. Yeah. But I also, I think that some of the natives, don't they use like a little hand spinner? Uh -huh. like they, they do, they do a, it with their fingers. Yeah, it's called a drop spindle. And drop spindle. Mm -hmm, they ha it has a whirl on top and, a, and usually like a spike at the bottom. And when you pull in the raw fiber and you draft it on the spindle, then it creates like a single ply. And then you later go back and double ply that to make a thicker yarn. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I've taken some well, drop good. spindle classes too. Okay. So we're coming to the end of the interview and there's two questions that I always ask. The first one is, what do you wish that you would have known before you retired? I can't think of anything more that I'd wish for. So you already knew what you wanted to do. You knew that you wanted to go, like you didn't think you didn't retire too late or you didn't. No. Mm -mm. So you knew you had, because of your business experience, you already knew what you needed to know before you retired. Yes, I would say I did. I think that I did not know what the costs were, that the true costs were going to be to run the business that we've been running, but we've been managing and kind of learning as we go along. And I sort of have a saying, and that is that, I believe in my ability to figure this out. <laughs> so anytime I've come to that place where I feel sort of stuck and I'm not sure really which way to go, I just sort of get grounded and centered. And I say that to myself a couple of times. And then the next thing I know, I'm on to the right idea. Well, that actually leads us to the second question I ask all of my guests. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that is, we have a lot of listeners who are either new retirees or maybe they do feel stuck in their lives at the moment. And if you were sitting across from one of these new retirees, what's the one piece of advice that you would give them to have a successful retirement? Without a doubt, I would ask them, what are your passions? What gets you excited? What could you see yourself doing and not even realize how much time has passed? What do you find yourself talking about to kids or to your peers? And when they start thinking that way, they start dreaming. And if somebody can start dreaming, then that starts opening up possibilities. For my husband and I, the questions were, what do we want to do if we got out of the rat race? Because that's how we felt when we were in the city. 
we were in a rat race and we weren't enjoying it. And we were starting to bicker about silly, stupid things. So we went away for our 25th wedding anniversary to Sedona, Arizona, because we love the open spaces. In that beautiful surrounding, I started posing those kinds of questions to him. And he just said, you know, if we have land, if we can just wake up and not feel like we have the pressures of jobs, wouldn't that be fulfilling? We then started looking for land, knowing that we could do something with it once we had it. We weren't even really sure how we were going to use it. So we just kind of listened to our heart and we were willing to step out in a lot of faith. And we found a piece of paradise, as we called it, <laughs> reminding us of Sedona. And it gave us that opportunity to ask different questions, not like, how are we going to retire? But now that we're retiring, what do we want to do? What will add more value to our life? What will bring us more joy and fulfillment? And we started filling our life with things together instead of being pulled apart like we were in the city. So I don't say that everybody has to move to the country in order to find their bliss or find their passion. But when you get to that point in your life where you might feel stuck, then that's the time to start asking those questions. And if retirement is in the future for you very soon, then start planning for it in terms of bringing you more joy and bringing you more opportunities that you just don't feel you've had a chance to take hold of earlier on in your life. I mean, if you love to golf, golf. If you love to travel, start planning traveling and just start taking action. And the thing that I always feel works for me is that when I get to a place where I feel stuck, I'll just ask myself, I believe in my ability to figure this out. What is my next step? That is great advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And one more time, give us a way to reach you in case somebody wants to come and see you or check out your website or well, do a visit. Oh, I'd love to have anybody come visit us. Just go to our website, A-L-P-A-C-A-S-A as in Anza, V as in valley.com. And you'll find all of our contact information. You'll find fabulous pictures of little Kriya and our adults, uh, our alpacas running around, our boutique uh, contact there, our alpaca dryer balls and all the information about them. And our phone number, feel free to call. Uh, we are halfway between Temecula and Palm Desert. So we're right on that path for those that travel to the desert. And we frequently have people stopping on their way to or from. We're also only 40 minutes from Idlewild, which is another wonderful destination for people that come up from uh, L.A. or the Valley. And so I'm, I'm Julie and my husband is Don. And we're very excited to share our passion of alpacas with anybody. And thank you. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for being on the show and helping our listeners learn how you rocked your retirement. And for all of our listeners, please um, feel free to subscribe to the show. It's now on iTunes under rock your retirement, all one word. You can also go on podcast addict if you have an Android phone and just search for Rock Your Retirement. And we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. 
If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Planning for retirement? What about mom and dad? They need to decide where to spend their senior years. They want to stay right where they are, safe at home. 101 Mobility is here to help so your parents can live comfortably, safely, and independently at home, which means you stay worry-free and relaxed in retirement. Does dad have difficulty on the stairs? 101 Mobility can provide a stair lift or ramp solution. Is mom uneasy in the bathroom? Let 101 Mobility give her confidence and security with our bath safety solutions. Whatever the mobility challenge, 101 Mobility of San Diego is here for you. 101 Mobility is a licensed contractor and a leading provider of mobility and accessibility solutions in San Diego. Call 101 Mobility today at 858-800-2820 and schedule a free in-home consultation and home safety assessment. That's 101 Mobility of San Diego at 858-800-2820. Enjoy life, not limits.